Good morning. Y'all doing good? Feel good? Pumped up? Uh, I just want to uh, say thank you for, uh, uh, you guys are amazing. And, you know, weeks like last week, generally speaking, for most people probably, especially pastors, you know, as you share those kinds of dreams, it's a little intimidating, I would, I would say. Um, it's not my first rodeo. I've done it a couple times uh, over the years. Um, and I would say that doing it again has nothing to do with making it easier. You're the ones who actually make it easier. You know, come out here and share those kind of dreams and to challenge you. Um, probably put a little bit of fear, you know, in, in most people's hearts. But you guys just received that so well. And I can't thank you enough for, for making, you know, being a pastor here just so much joy. Full, full of joy. And, uh, and I appreciate that. I really, really do. You know, last week it was, a, it was a big service. We had a lot of moving parts. And we went, uh, we did a run through on Thursday night. And uh, I... <laughs> I really thought, oh man, we've got three speakers really, probably baptism at the end, you know, might be pushing this thing, it's probably going to be a two-hour service, you know, it's, it's going to be crazy, and so I had some doubts in my mind, and Sunday morning we came back, we did another run-through, had those same kind of thoughts in, in the back of my head, I thought, wow, I might have kind of pushed this, and, and then for those of you that don't know, we do spontaneous baptism, it's crazy. Still crazy to me. We do spontaneous baptism. What that means is that we have people that sign up for baptism. Uh, they're prepared. They're ready. You know, they, they come. And then, and then we just ask for people, you know, that if you're a follower of Jesus, but you've never been baptized, if you'd like to come down and be baptized, I always think you're never coming. I always think, can I be honest? I always think, I wouldn't go. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that. But it's the truth. I always think, you know, I would probably say, I'm just going to wait till next time. Right? I'll wait till next time. And, and, but here's what I know. I know that if God speaks to you in that moment, it's a God moment. I mean, nobody, I mean, if you're just thinking, from, thinking through it logically, nobody in their right mind is going to stand up with no preparation, come down, and decide to be baptized right there on the spot. Not sure what kind of clothes we'll have for you, if they'll be too big or too small or whatever the case might be. Or, you know, who's the last person to use that towel? All those kind of crazy thoughts. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that either. <clears throat> this is not written in my notes, in case you can't tell. So, so anyway, I always think about that. 18 people, 18 people last week followed through with baptism. <clears throat> and it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do to end that service with baptism. And the reason is, is because I want, that's what, I want you to understand that's who we are. It's why we do what we do. That's it. That's the reason that you give. That's the reason that we make sacrifices. That's the reason, the reason that we try to renovate and build and that we give. And that's our, our push to be out of debt so that we can love the people in this community to the absolute best of our ability. And that through our loving them is that people want to come to know Jesus as their Savior. Uh, I didn't know this until the last few months, but we actually have a really good reputation within the community. Uh, Greenville Detention Center, for example, uh, when, when they fix, when they're about to release a prisoner back into society. Um, the church in town that they tell them about is us. Because we're ready for them. Uh, we're ready to love them. We're ready to do more than love them, but to provide for them. To say, we'll walk with you through recovery, whatever that might look like for you. 
And I had no earthly idea all these years that we actually had a reputation you know, downtown Greenville at the detention center among those officers that know that we're a church that really does love and care for those, those people. And so that, that did my heart good. Also, this past week I heard where somebody, I wish I could remember the specific case, but said, you have no idea of how other people in this community view this church, that we really are convinced that you love us. The things that you do, that you do for free, um, you know, Candy Dash, all these crazy things that we've done over the years that we do just for free, just, just to be able to make a difference in our community. We want our community to know that we love them and that we care for them. And that we're not a church that's standing with our hands out saying, gimme, 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 gimme. But we're actually a church that says, what can, we, what can we do we do for you? How can we give to you? How can we make life better for you? That's, that's our dream. Um, they call it vision casting. It always makes me a little nervous. I'm not sure that I'm a vision caster. I don't really want to think in those terms. For me, it's more of just sharing with you what, what I believe God has said to me. The heart of who we should be and what we should be doing as a church. And thank you for just wanting to be a part of that. So just give yourself a hand. I think that's awesome. <laughs> hang on, hang on. You don't think very much of yourself. I said, give yourself a hand. Come on, I mean, we got to, woo, woo. <clears throat> Today we're starting a brand new series called Hijack. And we're going to be talking about, over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the things that hijack, can hijack your walk, your relationship with Jesus and others. It's the kind of things that will stop you dead in your tracks. I really like this. I wrote this myself. Y'all ready? It's the kind of things that will stop you dead in your tracks from reaching your ultimate relationship destination. I'm getting nothing from y'all. I was so proud of that. So I guess I need to start by talking about what the destination is. For me, I've been referring to for years, I don't really like to use the word Christian because Christian's really a word that, that's used a lot, but nobody knows what it means exactly. I've, no, I've known a lot of people over the years that say, I'm a Christian. What do, you, what do you mean by that? I go to church. That's not being a Christian. It's because you go to church. Does it make you a Christian? You know? So I, I love to use the, the term, you know, follower of Jesus. But if you're going to encourage somebody to follow Jesus, you should probably let people know where that's going to lead, Right? So following Jesus, where is it going to lead? What is that destination? I think Jesus said it best in Mark chapter 12. Can't argue with Jesus, right? I mean, no better way to clarify what God wants for all of us, the destination, the purpose for all of us, than the words of Jesus himself. Here's what he said. He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, just so you know, if you're brand new to church and you don't know why he's saying this, people were questioning, they were trying to trap him. So they want to say, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? A group of people who had 600 plus laws and regulations on top of the Ten Commandments. So they're trying to trap him. So they think they're going to they're be really uh, cool. You know, they're going to trap Jesus. And so Jesus, this is what he says. If you want to know, if you want to know what the greatest commandment is, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. In other words, what God wants from you is everything you've got when it comes to love. When it comes to loving him, he wants your whole heart. He wants all of your strength, all of your soul, all of your mind. He wants all of you. And then he said this. He said the second commandment. 
is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. And then he looks at a group of people that were caught up in legalism, and he says, you know what, and I'm just going to be honest with you right here. If you can do these two things, I promise you this, everything else will fall in line. There is no greater commandment than the commandment to love. To love God with everything you have and to love others with everything you have. So it's really simple. It's not hard. It's not complicated, right? So what stops us from arriving at the destination of love? I like that little part too. I can tell you didn't get anything out of it, but I liked it. How is it that we seem to get hijacked on the road to love? Well, at least one enemy of the heart. And we'll be talking about this over the next few weeks. At least one enemy of the heart, believe it or not, the thing that will stop you from loving God with everything you've got, the thing that will stop you from loving others the way that Jesus loves you, this might surprise you, it's greed. It's just greed. Now, I know some of you are thinking, we did the capital stewardship campaign last week, and today you're going to come up and talk about greed, right? You're going to beat us over the head with the Bible and make us feel really, really bad and that we're all greedy people. Believe it or not, I'm not that smart. I promise you, we planned this months ago. Jonathan can testify. We never connected the dots until this past week, and I went, <gasps> people think I'm setting them up. I promise I'm not. Greedy people are under the assumption that it's all about them. I think one pastor hit the nail on the head. I disagree with him a little bit, but he says this. Guilt says, I owe you. I would say shame, not guilt. I don't think guilt's a bad thing. I think we should feel guilty when the Holy Spirit convicts us. And all God's people said, oh, me, maybe been a little more appropriate, but Yeah. So I wouldn't say guilt, I would say, I would say shame. Shame says I owe you. Anger says you owe me. Greed says I owe me. Greedy people have this supersized sense of ownership. In other words, everything that I have is mine. Everything that I have is mine, and I have to protect it. Because nobody... I can't trust anybody to look after me, to protect me, but me, at the end of the day. And here was the thought, as I, as I processed this, as I studied, as I, I tried to think this through, and, and, and the word that came to me every single time was selfishness. That really greedy people are just selfish people. It's the same thing, right? You can almost use those terms interchangeably. That one is the other. Greedy people think it's all about them. People that are selfish, guess what? They think it's all about them. Selfish, greedy people look out for number one because they believe that God either can't or won't take care of them. Now, I've got to be honest. I've, I've had a lot of messed up thinking over the years. I've never, ever questioned God's ability that he, that he had, um, that he wasn't strong enough or powerful enough to meet every need to work miracles. I've never questioned that. I really haven't. I've seen, God too, I've seen God work too many miracles in my lifetime for me to believe that God doesn't have the power. I mean, I, honestly, I'm the, I'm the crazy man that gets up every morning, looks up at the stars, and goes, wow, God did that. He's awesome. Who calls out the starry host and calls each one by name? That would be God. Like, he's awesome. I look at, the, at, a, at a blue sky 
on a clear day and I go, wow, God, you're amazing. I've never questioned whether or not God could. I always question whether or not God will. And I can't figure that one out. Will God work in my life? Will God work miracles in my life? And you know what? I was somehow raised to think that he won't, and the reason that he won't is because of my sin. And my theology was all messed up, and I had to work out my theology. What did Jesus do on the cross? When Jesus died on the cross, he died for all of our sin for all time, right? When I asked him to forgive me of my sin, he forgave me of all my past, all my present, and all my future sin. All of it. It either was or was not paid for on the cross. If it was, it's over and done with. So here's what I'm telling you. Greedy people, selfish people, we get our theology all messed up. And we get God all wrong. So selfish, greedy people have to work hard to acquire so we work hard. We work overtime, right? Take on a second job to buy the stuff that we think that we need that will make us happy. And then, and then we have to work hard to protect what we acquire. Because then what we need, we're looking for this sense of, of security. And so maybe you're working hard. You're, waking, you're working two jobs, may, maybe to put some, you know, uh, an emergency fund in the bank. But then how much is enough? How much is enough, really? How much in emergency? $500, is that enough? Maybe it used to be. I don't know if $500 is enough anymore. Maybe, maybe it's $1,000. Maybe it's $1,500. It's hard to hit that target, isn't it? It's, it's still moving. How much is enough for, to put in savings? I, I need to have enough in savings so one day that I can retire. But how much is money, enough money to retire on? Really, how much is enough? And so we work hard to, to, to get the stuff that we feel like that we need or to save enough. And then we have to work double hard to try to protect what we've got. And then we never know when enough is enough. This greedy thing's messy. And greed's really hard to see in the mirror. And let me tell you why. Because I think that for those of us that have been in church for a while, sometimes being greedy can appear to be spiritual wisdom. I bet you never heard that before. Greedy people are often savers. And saving is the wise thing to do, right? Thank you. There's one of us. Y'all a little nervous right now. I'm talking about greed, aren't you? I can tell you're going, <gasps> let me just give you a verse. Proverbs 21.20 says this, The wise store up choice food. I don't think it's any mistake that he said food, do you? All the overeaters said, that's what I'm talking about. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. So maybe, based on this passage right here, one verse, is it possible, is it possible that actually to be a little greedy, a little selfish, is actually a good thing sometimes. But then Jesus comes along in Luke 12, and here's what he says. He starts off with a warning. He says, watch out! Exclamation point. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance 
of possessions. So why would Jesus say such a thing? Because honestly, and I wonder if there was any like legalistic person in the crowd that when Jesus said that wanted to raise their hand and say, whoa, 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 hang on. Hang on, just, hang on just a cotton-picking minute. Aren't you going against Proverbs 21? And let me just say, there's a few other verses in Proverbs. I don't know if you've read that or not. To which Jesus would have said, I wrote it. <laughs> because it sounds like that you're really going against some really solid Old Testament scripture. Why would Jesus say such a thing? I would say because he knew that greed will destroy your relationship with God. Jesus was, was looking into the hearts of, his, of people, and he said, listen, all, all I want from you is your heart. That's all I want. You don't, I don't need anything from you. There's nothing you're going to do for me that I cannot do for myself. Are you kidding me? I created the world and everything that's in it in six days, and I rested on the seventh. You, are you with me? There's, I don't need you for anything. I want you, and what I want from you is not your stuff. I don't want your money. I don't need your money. What I want is you. And when you're greedy and when you're selfish, I can't have all of you. And then Jesus knew that when, when we have greed and selfishness in our heart, that it stops. It stands between us and other people. And then we're not able to love other people the way that we should, the way that he wants us to, so that we'll be a reflection of him. And Jesus because Jesus was Jesus, and because he was God in the flesh, he also knew that being selfish, being greedy, is really hard to see in the mirror. It's hard to self-diagnose. So what Jesus did in typical Jesus fashion was he told him a parable. So here's what he said. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Starting off pretty good, right? He thought to himself, well, what shall I do? I don't have any place to store my crops. Honestly, it sounds pretty solid to me. i got to be honest. I'm looking at this again. I know some of you people have been in church for a while. Some of you go, I, 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 you want to raise your hand, you want to say something. But just, let's just say that really all we know right now is a little bit of Proverbs, okay? And so this sounds kind of like wisdom, like out of Proverbs 21:20, right? I mean, it does. It's, it's like the guy saying, you know what, I'm really spiritual. How can I save? How can I put away for a rainy day? That's Greer talk. How can I put away for a rainy day what God's blessed me with? I love this, because this would be like Karen. This would be my wife. She would use this word. I just want to be responsible. <laughs> you know, she used to ask my kids, have you been a responsible adult today? Maybe I hadn't been a responsible adult. <laughs> You're asking that from our children, who were way too much like their dad, you know? I, I just want to be responsible with the blessing of God. I don't see anything wrong so far. I mean, the man's just being wise. Again, Proverbs 21, 20, wise. Then he said, well, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, and I'll build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink. That's where the Baptists are going. I know where he went wrong. <laughs> we were good until he said drink, right? Eat, all the overeaters said, Amen. All the drinkers said amen, but that's just a different message. Eat, drink, and be merry. And again, if I'm just being honest, I mean, no kidding. If you just take out the drinking part, because <laughs> Baptists want to do, if we just took that part out, we would stand back and say, this is a smart guy. He's thinking ahead. 
He wants to be a responsible adult. He wants to be responsible spiritually, to do wisely what God has blessed him with. Well, I can even back up my thinking with some more Bible. It's amazing how we can do that, right? Find a verse, kind of a proof text, to make what we think kind of okay. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. If, you, if there's anything, there's a couple of things I, that I can't stand. Manipulation's one. The other thing is lazy. I don't do lazy. We don't do lazy at our house. Never have. So I can look at this verse and go, preach it, brother. He who gathers crops in the summer is a prudent son, but he who, who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. And then there's Proverbs 13. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but sinners, sinners, wealth is stored up for the righteous. So wise people, planners, are so financially responsible. They're thinkers. They're thinking ahead. So what they do is they say, you know what? I, don't want, I want life to be better for my kids. I want life to be better than my grandkids. How many of you parents have made that statement? It's okay, because Karen and I make it all the time. We want, you would, that, absolutely. No parent would want your child to have it worse than you most days. And so what we, what we would want is to make sure that we, we're re, you know, uh, financially responsible so that we leave, our, we leave some wealth to our children. And so their, our children's children will have to suffer and grow up as difficult as we have grown up. It sounds pretty solid. I backed everything up with the Bible. I bet this guy's going to get some kudos from Jesus. Don't you? It's got to be coming. I mean, you know, stick out his chest and say, look at me. But God said to him, you fool. What? This very night, your life will be demanded from you. And if you're brand new to church, you've got to be thinking, I didn't see that coming. I mean, like you had Proverbs and everything. I mean, you backed this up. It sounded like he's on a solid track. What's the problem? Why would Jesus say such a thing? Well, here's the thing. In an agricultural society, it would be immediately obvious that the abundance of this man's harvest is more than just his hard work. I actually read one commentary that said it was more than the man's hard work, and I would say, I, I'm not a farmer. I, there's a lot I don't know, but I do know that it takes work if you're going to have a good crop. It's not just going to happen all on its own. You've got to know how to go out early. You've got to know how to till the soil. You've got to know how to get the weeds out, right? Am I, am I right? There's some things that you have to do to, <clears throat> to prepare the land so that it's ready. And then you plant seed. You plant it at the right time. You've got to make sure it's got water. All those things come into play. But here's, here's the thing. At the end of the day, there's only so much you can do. There's always, farmers are always at the mercy of factors that are outside beyond their control. Peach farmers here in the south are always concerned that their peach trees are going to bloom too early in the spring, right? I pastored a church up in Blue Ridge, and we had several peach farmers that were in that church. And I remember those first few years, what it was like when, you know, for the rest of us, man, the winter's over, spring's coming, it's getting warm. And all the peach farmers would go, oh, man, that's, that's not a good thing. And their, their peach trees might start to bloom, and then they would worry because there's always that one more big freeze that they're afraid of. And that one more big freeze will kill their crops and kill their profits. 
So they're always at the mercy of the weather. But see, greedy people, don't, they don't see things that way. They think that the reason they have what they have is because of their hard work. So their attitude becomes, I deserve it. I've earned it. I've worked for it. Everything that I have is due to the fact that I got up early. I stayed up late. I worked six and seven days a week. I took that second job. I have what I have, and I'm working hard to protect it because I've earned it. And even if this guy had given God the credit, which he didn't, but even if he had, it certainly never, ever crosses his mind that the extra he's been blessed with was for anybody other than himself. It's mine. It's my land. It's my crop. It's mine. The question that he should have been asking Lord, what do you want me to do with what's extra? But that's not how greedy people think. And to be quite honest, that's not how I think. Probably doesn't make you proud of me as your pastor, but that's the truth sometimes. For example, a few weeks ago, uh, I happened to be in a restaurant uh, that a friend of mine owns, and... Uh, he came up to me, I was at a table, and I was, I was talking with some folks, and he said, um, I need you to see me uh, before you leave. Just make sure you see me. Uh, go ahead, enjoy, you know, enjoy your meal, take time with your, your friends, but before you leave, make sure you see me. And so I did, and I went, and I got him. I said, I'm about to leave. He said, hang on just a minute. And he ran to the back. He came back, and he had a check in his hand, and he gave me this check. I said, what are you, what are you doing? What, what is this for? And, I, you know, of course, I'm not going to open it and look at it. That'd just be rude. <laughs> I wanted to. So he gives me this check, and, and I, so I'm saying, man, you don't, what do you, you don't owe me anything. And he said, well, actually, I do. And he reminded me that several years ago, I actually did something for him. He said, you know, I, you, several years ago, you did something for me, and I never paid you. And I said, why, why would you think you ever owed me? I never told you that, that you owed me anything. He said, you know what, you didn't. But because you didn't, I mean, I, I'm sorry I'm so late, but I, I'm going to give you this money. And he said, listen, I don't care. You take it. And, you know, you and Karen, y'all spend it on something. Do whatever you want to do with it. And I, I tried to give it back. He said, no, really, you, you know, you're going to hurt my feelings. I said, okay, I don't want to hurt your feelings. <clears throat> and then I wanted to be cool. I wanted to, put it, you know, put it in my pocket and just walk out pretty cool until I got around the corner. And then I popped that sucker out and I looked. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was, it was a lot of money. I mean, it was, for me, maybe for you it wouldn't be a whole lot of money. But, but for me, it was a lot of money. My first thought was, Man, I'm going to put some new lights on my Harley. That's my first thought. My second thought was, I love my wife, and I'm going to do something for Karen. That wasn't it at all, really. All I thought about was that Harley. I've done some cool things over the last year or so. I put some mini apes on it. It looks really, really cool. Put a solo seat on it. You know, I had a bagger. And so I changed some things, and I put a solo seat. It got some mini apes. I changed the lights on the back, LED. They're so cool. And so I thought, God, you've loved me. And in your infinite wisdom, you've blessed me with this money, and it's enough money. I could probably do the lights on the front and start something else. You know what I'm talking about? Because I assumed that it was all for me. I mean, God blessed me, right? And I did work for it. I mean, I did. I really, really did. 
I didn't charge the guy, you know, or anything, but I mean. See, sometimes greed's hard to see. So I didn't spend the money. And so I just held on to the money. And I was slow, I'm slow. I wish I could tell you that immediately after I thought about my motorcycle that my next thought was the church. It wasn't. Um, meeting the needs of, but, but what I did say was, you know what, Lord? I think probably the wise thing to do is just to hang on this for a while. And so I just put it away and asking the Lord to who give me the wisdom to know where to, know where to spend it. We can't just assume just because we've been blessed that it's all for us. Because it's not ours anyway. There's another little interesting thought here that hit me pretty hard as I was really processing this. I'd never really thought about this before, but he must have thought that the abundance of his stuff assured him of the abundance of time. So he was planning for a future that honestly he'd never have. Because he would run out of time before he ran out of stuff. And I guess as it turns out, the farmer was really more dependent on God than he realized. For he's entirely relying on God for his time and his stuff. And then Jesus says this. Can I just say that Jesus is not funny? He thinks he's funny. I've talked to him about this several times. He thinks he has a sense of humor. I've told him, don't give up your day job being God. Just be God. A comedian, you're not. But here's what he says. Then who's going to get all the stuff that you prepared for yourself? A little irony, you know. Jesus is doing a little irony thing. And so somebody else is going to end up with this, everything that he worked so hard to acquire. <clears throat> and my guess is that somebody else will end up with all the stuff that it took him years and years and years to acquire. And he probably won't even like the people that's going to get his stuff. Because God's just funny that way. I mean, not like funny ha-ha, but it's funny in an irony kind of way. You know what I'm talking about? And so this guy has, has, has worked hard, and he assumed that everything that he had was for him. And he, he was planning for a future that he would never have. And at the end of the day, somebody else is going to get his stuff. Not because he's generous, but just because he's dead. Aren't you glad you came to church today? I have a way with words, don't I? You're probably thinking he's a wordsmith. That's what you're thinking. So eventually, everything that we claim to own will be owned by somebody else. That's kind of a Debbie Towner, isn't it? But it's true. So to assume that everything that comes our way is for our own consumption is, is just short-sighted and foolish. See, the thing of it is, it's not a matter of if somebody's going to get our stuff. It's just who, when, and how they're going to get it. So we'll either have the ability to give it away while we still have time, or it's going to be taken away when time runs out. Then Jesus closes with these words. He says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. That whole rich toward God thing probably is messing you up a little bit, but let me just say this. Rich toward God is Jesus taught for being generous toward those in need. That's, that's what he's saying. So a greedy person is a man or a woman who saves carefully but gives sparingly. And I guess you could say 
greedy, you could just say selfish. Both terms seem to work. So, you're probably wondering, what does that have to do with like my relationship with God, my relationship. So God's just mad at me. <laughs> God's mad at me, and so he won't allow me to be close to him. You, if you're thinking that, you'd be wrong. Again, you've got to understand the cross. You have to understand the depth of his love and what the cross did. So what stands in the way of you as a follower of Jesus reaching your final destination of loving God and loving people the way that God loves you? Well, it's greed. Why? Because when we're greedy and when we're selfish with the blessings that God has given us, guess what? You're so preoccupied with you that you don't have time to focus on anybody else but you. Because you're working hard to acquire more stuff. And then you're going to acquire more money, put more money in the bank and try to save more money. Why? Because, because you're trying to gain some kind of security. Because you're not sure that God will be able to take care of you. Or if you think, well, God can take care of me, but I, I don't, I'm not the best person in the world. Your theology's messed up, so maybe God won't take care of me. So whichever it is, you're under the impression that you have to take care of you. And guess what? You will work so hard on you that you'll never see the beauty of the love of God. You'll miss it. And there'll be a brokenness in your relationship with others. You won't be able to see the hurting, broken people around you. You won't see them. And I'm telling you, they're everywhere. Truth be told, there's a room full this morning. So I have to ask you, do you see them? Do you see their brokenness? Do you see their needs? Do you see their hurt? Do you, do you see their pain? And if you see the hurt, and if you see the pain, and you see the brokenness of the people around you, have you ever considered that maybe the reason that God has blessed you with everything that he's blessed you with is so that you would just be a conduit of his love and his generosity. Have you ever considered that the reason that that guy wrote you that check wasn't so that you could buy some cool lights or, or whatever your thing is, but that maybe he said, I'm just going to give that to you because you're going to run into this person over here and I just want you to be a reflection of me. According to Jesus, somebody's going to get all your stuff. Wouldn't it just be nice to, to be able to see the look on their face when you give whatever God's blessed you with to them? That's what I love about what we do around here. That's why I love Christmas. Christmas is coming up. I know, I know. You're going to be mad at me. You're going to say, we're doing a capital stewardship campaign. You've already asked us to commit, and then you're going to do 25 days of Christmas? Yeah. Probably not one of my smarter moves, but I don't, I don't know how to not do that. And we'll see what happens. No pressure, honestly. 
Not much. Okay, I'm going to put a little bit of pressure. <laughs> but you, you, you should be there. I, you go with me. Go with me on Sunday afternoon. And I love Walmart. I, just, I think Walmart, God shows up at Walmart. I don't know why. He, just, he loves Walmart. And I just love, I love standing there at Walmart and then walk up to somebody. And you know, you can just, you know, God will just say, pay for that person's groceries. And you walk up and you pay. And, and, and they go, I mean, they can't believe it. You know, or you go back to layaway and you pay for somebody's Christmas and, and they don't even know who you are. They never even lay eyes on you. It's so cool sometimes when we buy somebody's groceries and they'll look at me and they'll say, who are you? It doesn't matter who I am. All you need to know is that there's a God and he's, he's alive and he's real and he loves you. But I, I am a Christian. I am a Christian. And so do this for somebody that's not. And again, then you just need to know that your heavenly father's crazy about you, that he loves you deeply and today he just wants to bless you. It is the sweetest thing. Could it be that the reason that you're not experiencing community and intimacy with God and others is just you're just plain and simple, greedy and selfish? Could it be? And, and if it is, I love, this, I love this church because we can just be honest. Can't we? We don't... You know, like, I'm not beating you over the head. I have told you. I told you my story. Somebody out there better. I don't want to be the only one. And, and if you are, if you would say, you know what, Scott, sometimes I do struggle. Sometimes I, I just assume that I was blessed because I'd done something good and God wanted to bless me and it was just for me. I, sometimes I struggle wondering if God just wants to use me as a conduit, if he just wants to use me to bless others. And if that's you, we're not going to do the bow your head and close your eye thing because you're safe and you're loved. But if you would just say, you know what, I do struggle with that sometimes. If you just slip up your hand so I can just pray for you. Oh, I love this place. Yeah, you guys are awesome. So let me just pray for us, can I? Lord, you just see the hands of honest people that say that we do struggle sometimes, Lord. We don't mean to. We want to be a reflection of you, but sometimes, Lord, it just gets the best of us. Greed, selfishness, we struggle with our own humanity. Lord, what I ask, for me personally, is Holy Spirit, speak to me in those moments. Don't you let me get away with that kind of thinking. I want to be open to you. Lord, I want to be as close to you as I possibly can. I've learned in my life that there's no sweeter place to be than to be just as close to you as I possibly can. I want to feel your breath, Lord, on my face. So, Lord, you speak to us. And tell us, Lord, how to be generous. Every head still bowed, every eye still closed. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. I just want you to know that God was not greedy. God is a given God. I just want you to understand that he was willing to make the ultimate sacrifice for your sin by sending his one and only son, Jesus, to earth to die a horrible death on a Roman cross. It was nasty. For one reason and one purpose, and that's to pay the penalty for all of our sin. Just so that we could be in a relationship with Him. 
So if you're not a follower of Jesus, but right now you're willing to accept what Jesus did for you. To receive his love and to say, wow, God, I had no earthly idea. I just didn't understand it. Until this very moment, the beauty of your love. And to believe that he died, but on the third day that he was raised from the dead and that he's alive. And to say, yeah, I feel this presence right now. And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be, then maybe you'd pray a prayer or something like this. Just quietly, silently, right there in your seat. Maybe you'd just say, Lord, this morning, I want to fully surrender my life to you. You are amazing. Your love is amazing. It's hard to believe the depth of your love, the sweetness of your love, the beauty of your love. It's hard for me to wrap my my brain around it. But I accept it. I know you're alive. I can feel your presence. So I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sin. I'm asking you right now to step into my life. Fill me with your spirit. And Lord, help me from this day forward to be a reflection of you. Help me to be a giver like you're a giver. To see the hurt and the brokenness of the people that are around me. Father, we do love you. Uh, You are amazing. Lord, thank you for allowing me to do what I do. Thank you for allowing me the privilege, Lord, of just being one of your kids. Thank you, Lord, that I've had the privilege throughout my life to be loved by you. It's in your sweet name we pray.